You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're now four games or four starts into Justin Fields' career, and I think it's a good opportunity to take a step back and check in on what his development has looked like and where it might go from here. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at LockedOnBears. You can like LockedOnBears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. This episode of Lockdown Bears brought to you by McDonald's, probably serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family from the community can come together. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. On the show today, we will check in on a rookie quarterback now, four starts under his belt, with some help from head coach Matt Nagy. We'll hear his thoughts on how the development has gone, and specifically what we saw in the Green Bay game that shows where the progress is and maybe where more progress still needs to be. Now, those of you watching along on the Locked on Bears YouTube channel will notice I'm not in my usual setup here, different microphone, different location, different backdrop behind me, that maybe the uh, astute audio files will notice a difference in the sound just on whatever podcast listening app you're using right now but taking the lockdown bears podcast on the road with me this week so it's not not my full setup not as beautiful not as crisp as or as you know overall perhaps perfectly high quality as it usually is but didn't want to leave you without a podcast even while I'm not here on the road especially with a topic as important as Justin Fields but I also want to make sure that we're staying up to date on any and all Bears news and I want to start actually with some running backs the team bringing in for some workouts because we saw last week Damian Williams go on the COVID-19 list on what was it Friday I think before game day so the team didn't have enough time to bring someone in and had to be pretty much the all Khalil Herbert show so a little bit of Ryan Nall a little bit of our Tavis Pierce in the game, but this was all Herbert all the time, and he played great. We talked about it on yesterday's podcast. He was running hard, running fast, very explosive in the ground game, absolutely. But on Monday then, the Bears just given maybe some unknown about exactly when Damian Williams could be back. I mean, presumably he's probably vaccinated and probably won't miss much more time, but, but they still want to check in on all of the different options they have. So they brought in four running backs for workouts on Monday. Duke Johnson, Chris Thompson, TJ Logan, and CJ Marable. Some of those names perhaps more recognizable than others. Maybe you haven't heard of any of them, but we're going to go through the four of them now to kind of get a sense of what exactly the Bears are looking at, because it seems to be a specific thing here, right? This is not looking at a new starting running back to replace Khalil Herbert. This is not a problem with how Khalil Herbert played and looking for some kind of boost or adjustment to that. But it is, I think, more so depth and feeling like, especially with Williams unknown at this point and Cohen still working back from his torn ACL on the physically unable to perform list, just wanted to check in on what else is out there because Ryan Nall and Artavis Pierce evidently aren't doing it for this coaching staff, for this front office. So Duke Johnson, maybe the biggest name of the four. 
Started his career with the Cleveland Browns. Spent some time with the Houston Texans. He's much more a receiving back than a runner out of the backfield. To the point where like the Texans were just playing him at wide receiver sometimes. Extremely versatile. There's some Tariq Cohen to his game in, in that sense. That he really is a, kind of a two-way threat there. And you can hand it off to him at wide receiver on jet sweeps. He, I think he was quoted at some point saying he enjoys certain aspects of playing wide receiver more than playing running back. He's not a every down guy by any means. I think over his career, he's got one game with more than 15 carries in a game. I mean, some of that's just the role and, and the other running backs that have been on his roster, but he's not a guy that any team has looked to as like a lead back. He's like 5'9 and, and under 200 pounds. So much more a potential complementary piece, but definitely more in that Cohen mold to give the Bears just something to mix in there so Khalil Herbert doesn't have to be the every down back or you know, depending on what's going to happen with Damian Williams. Similar kind of thing with Chris Thompson, another potential receiver out of the backfield spent most of his career with with the Washington football team I think like six or seven years there kind of always the number two number three guy they never really wanted to make him that true number one similar thing to, to Duke Johnson where he's never really had he's had one game I think of 15 carries in his career but for the most part he's always been sort of that secondary guy who who vultures carries away in fantasy football that fantasy football owners of other Washington running backs have not been super thrilled with but I think when I compare him and Duke Johnson I think of him as a little bit more physical, a little bit more of a harder runner. I mean, they're both they're both undersized, but Duke Johnson's a little bit more like fast, and Thompson's maybe a little bit more short area, and just, I don't know, he's, he's more like the bowling ball in my mind. I certainly haven't done in-depth scouting reports on either of these running backs. It's just a workout. The Bears haven't signed either of them, at least as of Monday night, the time I'm recording this podcast, but those two guys very clearly fitting a sort of a, you know, a spell back kind of a not quite a scat back, but that type of receiver backup role to get another pass-catching option in there in the backfield. Then there's TJ Logan, a guy who seems like generic creative player running back on Madden. I mean, not a name that instantly jumps out as, as really remembering much of him because over his career, he's played 44 snaps of offense in the regular season. I think it was 2018 with the Cardinals and then 2019 with the Buccaneers. Spent last season on injured reserve, also in Tampa Bay, but his role more so than offense was the full-time kickoff return guy for both the Cardinals and the Buccaneers. So there's a potential there for him to come in and help the Bears there. I know they just traded for Jakeem. Granted, he's been kind of handling both, but you could put somebody like Logan on kickoff return where Khalil Herbert was originally. And when, when of course, Jakeem Grant got hurt, they put Demir Bird, I think, back there, and that didn't go super, super well. So that, that to me... More than any, more than the offense, the special teams is there for T.J. Logan. And then C.J. Marable might sound like loosely or vaguely familiar to you because he was signed by the Chicago Bears as an undrafted free agent earlier this very offseason. He played six whole snaps in the preseason, caught a pass, dropped a pass, kind of a, a bad, easy one. But he was super, super productive as a small school kid coming out of coastal Carolina, really, I mean, just huge, huge numbers coming out of there. So Bears checking in, seeing what kind of football shape he's in, seeing if he's a guy they might want to stash on the practice squad again or something like that. Just kind of doing their homework on a couple of veterans, a couple of younger guys with some athletic upside there. It's not, you know, Adrian Peterson or or um, Frank Gore or Todd Gurley, some of the more like veteran established free agent running backs that you sign sort of to make your starter. But it's it's more like looking around and saying, yeah, you know, we kind of know what we've got in Ryan Null and Artavis Pierce. Let's take a look around outside, bring some guys in from workouts and see what exactly they might be able to add into the backfield. If Damian Williams is good to go again this week, 
I wouldn't imagine they're going to necessarily sign anybody. They could promote, you know, Nall and Pierce or whatever again from the practice squad to have more depth that way. But I don't think they're, I think if Williams is healthy, I don't think they're desperate to go out and add someone. But you never know when the next injury happens and you want to keep tabs on, on which players may be avail- available. So that's kind of your, your Bears news of Monday. But I also wanted to make sure that we, we really take a closer look at this rookie quarterback situation because Matt Nagy was able to share some of his perspective on what he's seeing, you know, behind the scenes when we don't know what the play call is and we don't know exactly what Fields is seeing on the field. And so we'll kind of get a sense of where Justin's decision making has developed, where he's going through his progressions and, and how the Bears offense has changed, how it started against Cleveland and how it's changed since then for Fields next on Locked On Bears. This episode of Locked On Bears is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a tasty place to get affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing they'll have a dependable Wi-Fi, and of course, endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Or win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping out at a long road trip to rest your legs, refuel, get some delicious food at an affordable price for any family. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say locked on watch party? McDonald's. I'm loving it. It seems like each week with this Bears offense, we've seen enough progress from Justin Field. It's not like, you know, monumental steps each and every week, but we're seeing certainly from the Cleveland game, a quarterback that's gotten a lot better and maybe thrown in a little bit over his head in Cleveland. That's something we'll get into here in a little bit with some of Matt Nagy's thoughts on what exactly they've done offensively since that time. But I do feel like we continue to see like plus throws. We continue to see plays from Justin Fields that remind you why the team drafted him, why they traded up into the top 12 to get this quarterback and show you, again, some of the things we saw at Ohio State that, of course, are never going to instantly translate to the NFL. Like, you know, you're never going to step on the field and play at, at that level right away. There's always going to be that learning curve and that development. But we saw it, you know, right away against the Raiders. and We saw it right away against the Packers coming out on opening touchdown scoring drives, commanding the offense and feeling like he's in control and feeling good about where he is within the system and the play calling, certainly adapting and growing with him as well. The offensive line getting better, the running game getting better, receivers making more and more plays. But so much of it, I think, does come down to your young quarterback, not only just taking the easy little curls and flats and little dump offs here and there, but stepping up and making downfield throws in tighter windows. And for head coach Matt Nagy, I think that's what stuck out for him more than anything else. The first touchdown drive, you guys got behind the sticks there. I think it was second and 14, but then hit... 11 to Mooney, 20 to Robinson, and then got the PI penalty. I'm curious what, from your vantage point, was notable about that sequence of getting three chunks in a row there. So I put in my notes, Dan, um, this morning after watching it the second time that, you know, that, that was played five, six, and seven within the drive. Um, those three plays right there for Justin were special, okay? So the very, the very first play, he took, he took a three-step drop, nice little hitch, and ran a corner out through Mooney right on time. I mean, that was a professional throw, professional play. Great play by the line, everybody. The very next play, he comes back and they run a cover two, and it, he hits A-Rob in the, in the side pocket there down the sideline. Great throw, great catch, great execution. Follows it back up with a good chip protection shot play where the safety's playing kind of tight, cutting a deep cross, 
and he, he goes with the post alert, which is what we teach him. And, he, and all of that happened on time and in rhythm. When you can play quarterback and play on time and in rhythm, you see good things happen. And that, that was awesome, those three plays right there. We got a PI in the end zone. We get the ball at the one. We score a touchdown. So um, I thought for him that was great. Then you go to plays 37, 38, and 39, and I put all those three down for great decisions, really, really good decisions. Um, he had one where he checked it down to um, – to, to uh, uh, 24, and then to Khalil. He checked it down, went through his progression, checked it down, then he came back the next play, and uh, and he threw, even though we dropped it, he made a good decision on the one to Demir, right, that he threw on, the, on a little hitch route, smoke route, and then he came back with an RPO. Decision-making, that was different, right? Those were decisions, I love that. And then the last thing with him that I thought where he really grew was in our offense in general, I wrote it down. It was 11 plays. That, that second touchdown drive, play 44 to 54, we were challenged with some different things within that, whether it was a scramble, whether it was decision-making, whether it was a, a throw. whether Those 11 plays right there, I thought, that was one of the better drives of the season. And for sure, I think Justin's best. And so all of that, when you go back and you look at those plays, that's what gets you excited, is being able to see that. And now we need to do more of that. And how do we get to that? With, the, with that second touchdown drive, obviously one of the better drives of the season, but also situationally given where the game was. How, how right. Does that add that's, to the, the, that's the other part of it is the fact that these guys, you know, we, we hit that first drive of the game, which we've been good there, you know, early on. And then we hit a little law and we went through a couple punts for certain reasons, interception and some punts. And then they scored and made it 17 to 7. And we're on the sideline. We're saying, all right, guys, listen, we got to make a play on offense. We got to get this back. We're, we're down two scores. We got to go down there and, and, and at, least, at worst case, get a field goal. So to magnify those 11 plays, we were able to go down and, and we got behind the sticks. We, we, we were able to um, uh, overcome some penalties. But the decision making, the scrambling from Justin, the big catches by the wide receivers and tight ends, the protection by the O-line, the runs when we needed them. It was, and then the very last play, the progression of timing on the, from the five, first and goal to five, uh, they zoned us out. He had protection. He made a great throw. 17-14, right? To me, that, that signifies growth for him and, and for our offense. We just need to do more of that. You know, We need to get more of that in the middle and not wait from the first start of the game to, the, to that drive there. So I think Coach Nagy makes a good point there, or at least brings up a good point, about different types of development when we look at it from an outside perspective on these quarterback, the quarterback position in general. That there's the NFL-type throws, like the tough, tight window, just difficult, elite throws towards the sideline. You know, going, I think it was Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson back-to-back on the left sideline, kind of deep downfield in key down and distance situations on the first drive. Like there, there's that, which is like the impressive stuff that you've seen him do at Ohio State, which is great. But then there's those plays he talked about later in the game. He referenced some play numbers that are don't really mean anything to us. If you actually wanted to follow along yourself, I looked it up. There, it's the second drive in the third quarter. It's the second, third, and fourth plays of the second drive. A completion to Khalil Herbert for eight yards, an incompletion to Demir Bird, which, as Nagy said, was dropped, and then a completion over the middle to Darnell Mooney for 11 yards. And and those are not the types of, you know, tight window throws. It's a it's a check down to a running back. It's a curl route and I think it's a I think it was a slant or some kind of just crossing route there quick to Darnell Mooney on a run pass option. That those are not those are not wow throws that grab your attention as being like, oh, like that's great, great Justin Fields play. 
But I think for the head coach, knowing the play calls and knowing the progressions and obviously calling, well, not calling the plays anymore, but <laughs> knowing how the play calls go through, those represent so much more progress or, or a different type of progress that we don't we aren't always able to fully pick up on just watching the game live that you know being able to have the wherewithal to understand when he goes through his progression and then to come back to that check down instead of you know looking to make the big play and maybe holding on to the ball too long and, and just taking f- uh, an eight yards there from the running back putting in the hands of a playmaker who's been making players miss consistently through that game and to be able to kind of realize all of that in the moment as the play is already happening and maybe you, you figure it a little bit pre-snap of where you want to go and which routes you're going to have against a certain coverage, but being able to get to that decision and be decisive in and firing that off. And again, not just always looking for the big play and holding it on too long and maybe taking a sack as he did at other points in this game, right? There's a potential progress spot or, you know, the run pass option reads. We saw earlier in his first couple of starts, there were times when, you know, he'd give the ball when he should have held onto it or he's held onto the ball when he should have given it. And he's hit some of those passes on the RPOs, sure, but I think this is another example of knowing when and where he's supposed to go with that ball. And same kind of thing with Demir Bird. I mean, even though he dropped the ball, it was getting through a progression and knowing exactly where he's supposed to go with the ball and getting it there decisively and on time to throw a catchable ball, even if the receivers aren't able to bring it in. So I think there's different types of development here for Justin Fields. And not all of it means he's going to be a, you know, he's on this curve, this developmental curve to be a Hall of Fame quarterback right away or anything like that. But if you're taking it one game at a time here and you're seeing those incremental steps, it's about all we can ask from a young quarterback who is definitely thrown in there a little bit in a situation that wasn't ideal and wasn't exactly what the Bears wanted to do. And that's kind of what I'm coming back to a little bit here when it, with Justin Fields' development is is how how the Bears have handled it and how what we're seeing now or what we have been seeing the last few weeks is a result of what we saw through the preseason in the first two games with how they handled Fields and Andy Dalton. Well, we'll hear from Matt Nagy on how they've sort of adjusted the offense and how they're learning about Justin Fields next on Locked On Bears. In life, we're all bound for different things. With Beachbound.com vacations, you could be bound for adventure, bound for passion, bound for discovery, or bound for togetherness, bound for immersion, bound for rejuvenation, or maybe you just may be bound for encountering the unexpected. Personally, when I'm at a beach resort, something maybe like you see behind me here, I'm bound to end up at the poolside bar or maybe creating my own taco flight. I actually had a delicious plate of nachos before I started recording this podcast. As long as I've had a good view and a good drink in my hand, I'll be happy as can be. With beachbound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you no matter what you're looking for. What are you bound for? Visit beachbound.com today. When it comes to Justin Fields' development, there have been a lot of different moving parts, and nobody knows more about moving parts than our friends at rockauto.com. They're a family business that have been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. They got everything you could possibly need for your vehicle, from engine control modules and you know brake parts and fuel pump assemblies to the, tough, to the easy stuff like you know a new carpet, motor oil, I mean, you name it, they've got anything you could possibly need for your vehicle. And their catalog, although it's super, super deep, it's really, really easy to navigate. You just enter in your car's make and model and then quickly bring up all the different parts available for your vehicle. And 
then you make sure you're never going to make pay too much for any auto part again because rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody. Some of the part stores will charge different price tiers if you're a professional mechanic or a do-it-yourselfer like us, but rockauto.com makes those prices the same for everybody. So check out all the different parts available for your car or truck, and when you check out, write the words locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Some of Matt Nagy's comments about how the Bears have been learning with Fields and developing him, and, and this idea of Fields improving versus developing, kind of sparked some some big Twitter discussions the other day. And I don't like to, I don't, I certainly, I certainly don't get involved in the big Twitter discussions and the backs and forth, and I don't like to necessarily see those as representative of exactly what the fan base is thinking or feeling necessarily. But I thought it brought up a good point, especially because it was in relation to what Matt Nagy had said about Justin Fields and about how they're seeing things kind of come together and what they've done since Cleveland and how, you know, they've made some mistakes and they're willing to admit that. And that's that's better than that's better than not admitting your mistakes. But of course, you would prefer to not make those mistakes in the first place if you could if you could absolutely avoid them. But regardless, I, I thought there was some pretty decent insight on Nagy that that I think a brought us a little bit more of an understanding of of how Fields has gone from Cleveland to now and when why they've seen a little bit more of that progress. But then also I think it highlights again some of the poor practice they took leading up to Justin Fields' first start. And really I think leading up to week one, leading up to the regular season and, and throughout this whole process with the Andy Dalton quarterback quote-unquote battle of all the good things that fields is doing you know going back to like you know, the last three games throwing out the cleveland game is there one area of progress that you feel indicates that it, this may take some time but he is going to make it yeah i mean well not just the game i i look, i start mark with the practice i start at practice right how does that go then you take that to the game and um what what i think there's 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 concepts and progressions that he's getting through right now where he's improving. And not everybody would know that because y'all don't know all the concepts and progressions, but he's getting better at some of the concepts and progressions. Um, I think what you're seeing is a guy that in certain moments of the game, uh, he learns from any mistakes and he grows from all the any of the good plays that he makes and by, by doing it more. There, there is a, uh, an ability of him right now. I think what we're doing is we're finding some throws that we see he does well and um, within the offense. And so what we want to do is be able to do more of those. At the same point in time, we're we, we tried to – we went into the Cleveland game, and I think we probably put too much on his plate mentally decision-making-wise. We, we've scaled back with that, and it's helped him. And he's done a really good job. And that's why when you put – when you have decision-making at the quarterback position, they have so much on their plate. And as a rookie, you got to balance that. And I think our coaching staff has done a good job at that. On top of that, his decision-making in general has been pretty good, and that's growing. And once he keeps getting that better and better, the, the athletic stuff of making plays and making throws is going to come. So I think there's an important revelation there, but it also raises some, I don't know if concerns, I mean, because they're in the past now, but good, good on them for recognizing that they put too much on Justin Fields' plate against the Cleveland Browns and scaling it back, right? You wouldn't want to keep forcing him on there. Maybe I'm giving them 
big credit for fixing their own mistake there because why did you put so much on Justin Fields in his first career start against two premier pass rushers and a potential Super Bowl contending Cleveland Browns team? I mean, that just seems like bad practice in the first place because I remember back when when Matt started working with Mitch Trubisky, I remember him saying that in the, like OTAs and a little bit of training camp, so they came out in OTAs and put a lot on his plate and said we're, they kind of loaded everything on Trubisky and then scaled it back from there. They could, you know, it's almost like think about it like a when you're in, back in school, right? You take a pretest at the beginning of the year, or the, beginning of the beginning of the semester with the class where you take a test and they put the whole cu- curriculum on there, or a lot of the curriculum, just to see what you know, right? And no one ever does well in it because it's of course you're still supposed to learn everything that's going to be on the te- on the pretest. That's why that's why you have you take the whole class. But they just you know, get a sense that everyone does bad and it's kind of overwhelming. It's like, holy crap, I don't know anything about chemistry or biology or algebra or whatever, whatever class it was. You know, that's what it felt like with, with Mitch, with the way that Matt Nagy talked about it back then was like, OK, it's OTAs and I'm a new coach and still getting to know my quarterback. Let's let's throw it all out there for you. See what you can handle. And clearly it's never you're always going to throw more at him intentionally than he could handle. And then you scale it back in practice. You work on those things. And throughout OTAs and training camp in the regular season, you add more and more on. And it felt a little bit like like that's what we did against Cleveland in week three of the regular season where there's wins and losses and all this counts. And you you get your quarterback sacked nine times and almost injured. I mean, all this stuff. I mean, it was just that stands out to me right away as like, like, what are we doing? But more importantly, then it's like. He's still learning, you know, one of the things he talked there, it's like we're seeing what kinds of throws Fields likes and what kind of throws he's good at, and we're going to do more of those. You could have seen those if you had given him first-team starters reps in training camp and in the preseason. You could have gone through so much more of this process before it counted against your wins and losses in the regular season. And it just feels like it's, again, highlighting such a poor practice in terms of Dalton is our starter. Dalton is our starter. We have this mystery quarterback plan that we're going to follow that we feel confident in, and it's going to help do what's best for the Chicago Bears and et cetera, et cetera. And it just doesn't feel like at any point have they really put Justin Fields in an optimal developmental position. He's still been able to improve and you know make progress sometimes I think in spite of that but this is this is some of the progress I think he could have been making earlier and not, then you'd be farther along the learning curve now again when the games matter and when you're playing against playoff and Super Bowl contending teams like the Cleveland Browns, the, the Green Bay Packers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Baltimore Ravens coming up on the schedule too. I mean, you're, we're playing these really good teams on this schedule and Fields is still learning. And that's, of course, he's going to be still learning either way, whether you'd start him from week one in the preseason or not, but you, at least he could be farther along in this learning process. And you kind of knew that whenever he was going to get into the game, there was going to be a, a slowdown, right? There was going to be the, some bumps along the road earlier on, and it seems like he just needs more time and more experience, and you could have been giving him more of that time and more of that experience much, much earlier in the process. So again, I don't want to give them a lot of credit for seeing some mistakes early on in the, the Browns game and correcting that because, I mean, that's good. You wouldn't want them to not, I mean, you don't want them to continue making those mistakes, but they're just fixing their own problems that they set themselves up with, and it it continues that frustration with Matt Nagy as a head coach and this whole coaching staff and front office and the organization, how they've handled these quarterback positions. So as much as it's been progress, it's been encouraging, and it's not at all anything concerned about Justin Fields. It's just, again, lingering concerns about whether or not this this coaching staff and this regime is actually the coaching staff and regime that's best for this quarterback in the long term. 
certainly plenty more season to see how this plays out before we make any rash decisions with this staff. And we'll keep tabs on how the offense develops, how Justin Fields develops, what kind of changes we see from Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor, and so much more. So make sure then that you subscribe to the Locked On Bears podcast wherever you listen to podcasts to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thank you for making Lockdown Bears your first listen five days a week. We are here for you each and every day, and we appreciate everyone who keeps coming back for more and more. Those of you who are following along on the Lockdown Bears YouTube channel, watching the video versions of the podcast, again, very different visual look today. And I'm curious if any of you watching the podcast can tell, based on the backdrop behind me, it's the shade covering the window of my hotel room, you can see a fairly significant portion of the skyline of the city that I'm in. And I'm curious if anybody watching this can determine, just based on kind of a, a very obs- obs- you know obscured, blocked visual of some skyline, if any of the astute Lockdown Bears YouTube watchers, subscribers, followers can tell. If you can tell, let me know in the comment section, and I'll, I don't have like a prize necessary i mean i can maybe try and come up with something but at the very least a shout out i'll give you a shout out on the podcast and on social media on the twitter and whatever i mean we'll, we'll, we'll find out something if you can tell based on um, those are those are both hotels with lights behind me if those of you watching on the youtube channel that's that's the only hint you're gonna get and i will say the ad read i did earlier for beach bound i am not actually at a beach resort so there's not there's not an actual beach but there is a poolside bar that i was able to take advantage of long long before i started recording this podcast so anyway all, all of that is is separate from the course thank you for listening thank you for following along and i hope i hope you know still bringing this podcast on the road i wanted to make sure i would still be here to make it a little bit easier to bear down